you might have to move in. You tend to be very quiet, but it doesn't really it's matter. Until I laugh, and then it's and, over. Yeah, then we... In the red. Yeah, for How sure. How do we start this? I forgot. We say welcome to Multimobile Podcast, October 2019 edition. This is Chad Schoen, the director of Multimodal Education Center. I'm Delana Brecken, instructional technologist. And with us is our new teammate and colleague, Muneeb Mobashar. Welcome, Muneeb. How how are you? Are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. Oh. Yeah, we're great. (laughs) I mean, we're just, yeah. And if we need to redo anything, we will, but... uh, we like to keep it raw and live here. Right. So our first, one of our first big updates is our new hire, Manib Mobashar. We're so excited to have him at Central Washington University. He's joining us from Austin, Texas Community College. Um, he is a former Quality Matters reviewer, um, excellent with instructional design, excellent with w- developing workshop materials, and excellent at supporting faculty with all that they need. Right. Canvas and and his official title, your official title is? Instructional Technologist? Yeah. yeah. Instructional, Instructional Technologist. Technology. Yeah. It's yeah. on Say your card. With, yeah. Say it with uh, <laughs> intent. Excitement. <laughs> yeah. I've had different titles, like Education Technology, Instructional Technologist. Right. So. Yeah. I think the state calls us Instructional Technologist. Yeah. It's a little nebulous. Um, mm. And there's, especially because we do Instructional Design as well, at least at Central. Yeah. So that's something that we include in that instructional technologist. Um, so welcome, Muneeb. Thank you. No, is there anything special you want to tell faculty at campus? Uh, not really. I mean, I've had extensive experience with Canvas in the past. Um, I'm getting back to the swing of things of being LMS admining and um, working with faculty and things like that. So um, just learning curve-wise, I think I've gotten into the groove right. pretty good. Yeah. So yes. just you already hopefully... Are. Just keep going. I okay. think that's absolutely. I can. I can. A seal of a approval on that because all the faculty that have walked out of your office are so like, oh my gosh, she is so good. So mm-hmm. I'm really so excited that we have you. I like the idea that you're hanging outside the office <laughs> just waiting for reviews. No, I'm I know just you're next not, door, but I like I the idea it. of it. <laughs> I like that you're just <laughs> waiting. Um, but yeah, and you also, I mean, not the, your job, but you, it's helpful that you know a thing or two about Panopto. So that's been, uh, yeah. yeah, pleasant yeah. to know for sure. Um, yeah, my previous job, I was a trainer for business operations. So it was completely, um, it was like from the ground up, I had to like design because they didn't know how to design mm-hmm. online on-demand courses. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of that with limited resources. So it was kind of. It was fun, but then got kind of boring. So mm-hmm. I wanted to get back to the student side. So yeah, <laughs> the excitement of it all. Well, uh, we definitely are excited to have you and uh, full staff. It's great. Full staff at Multimodal. And you can come see Munib during our open lab on Tuesdays between two and four in Samuelson One Twenty Five. Um, you can email him or give him a phone call as well. Two zero three nine is his extension. Um, yeah, we look forward to. Yeah, stop by. Meet. Stop by. Don't hesitate to email me. I'm usually pretty quick. Yep. Yes. Great. All right. Thanks. thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's always nice to have a new teammate. It is. I am so excited that we have Munib. He is really excellent. All right. So. And he's beginning quarter from Texas, starting the winter. 
in Ellensburg. Yeah, I'm beginning to already feel seasonal disfe- disaffected disorder. Okay, yeah. yeah, I need it's, my sunshine. It's freezing. It's leg warmer weather, if yeah. you ask me. Yeah. That's... And you do like your leg warmers. I do. So, um, so let's get started. This week we will have our Canvas updates, our Ask It, instructional, Ask an Instructional Technologist. We'll talk or about Stump it. the Chump. Or Stump the Chump, featured faculty. We'll talk about uh, with our new executive director. Joy Fuquay. Yeah, exciting there. Um, and then we have some promotional items uh, from the Multimodal Education Center proper and app of the episode. App of the episode. I'll wait till the segment. Yeah, please wait till it gets there. Um, with that, let's start. Canvas updates. What's going on that faculty need to know right now? Right now, top of the top of the charts. Yes. Um, as you should have received in our communications, there was a whole team over the summer that migrated. We're no longer going to be using MediaAmp as our streaming server, and instead we're using Kaltura streaming server. Over the summer, the whole 50,000-plus um, media artifacts were migrated for you, so all you need to do is to go into your Canvas course and update each of the links where you have a media amp video use the my media um Kaltura integration right. instead and we have workshops with our instructional design librarian jerry hopkins will be glad to answer any questions you have about Kaltura. Kaltura is again the media upload it is not panopto and not panopto Alexa has recording. not changed at all panopto is exactly the same yeah. um Another product that we've turned on for everybody is called Ally. We've had lots of communications about this, but we just want to make sure faculty understand. Ally is an accessibility software that lives within Canvas, Mm -hmm. and it will give faculty what we call an accessibility score for every document that you place in there. And I think it also uh, tells you your accessibility score for your Canvas Overall, yeah, you'll notice in your left side navigation of all your Canvas courses, now there's an accessibility report. And that is only visible to the faculty. When you click on that report, um, it'll give your overall course a score. And we've been really pleased and really um, proud that many of our courses are in the green 70% accessibility score. So that's... It, if you compare that with national, we're we're doing really good. We're above and beyond, but and we we, wound, we turned it on as a one uh, as a kind of awareness uh, piece for faculty in terms of accessibility. Um, faculty should it also allows you to click on those buttons and it'll walk you through how to make your accessibility score go up. Yep, there's actually a really nice like the quick things that are quick fixes, and it'll just walk you through adding alt text, doing all the quick fixes, and then there's the more um, more complicated fixes, but they, it words it better than that. Yes. And uh, that'll walk you through doing that. Every Thursday from 2 to 4 in Samuelson 125, we have D. a... 125D? 125D. Yes. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an open accessibility lab so where faculty can come in and we'll walk you through going through any of those tutorials or, or whatever you need help with as far as making your course more accessible. Multimodal Learning is so excited to provide that resource for faculty because we are an inclusive campus and inclusive means everybody. And... Um, the part that we haven't got to about Ally that's a really cool feature that it gives all your students, um, 
they can download alternative formats of any of your documents that you provide. So if it's a Word document, a PowerPoint document, a PDF, or an image file, it'll give them an alternative way, uh, of, uh, way to download. Right. And that could be an HTML, which screen readers can use um Natively, natively, and it could also be a, uh, an EPUB, so they put it on their Kindle. Yep. Um, or MP3. What an MP3. So it translates your text to speech and creates an MP3 that students can download and listen on the go. Which you know, I'm sure they're ready to listen to that syllabus. Oh yeah. In the car, right? You know? Or while they're jogging. Over and over, probably. Yeah, probably. So uh, those are, if you have any questions about those, you can ask uh, myself, Chad Schoen, or Delana can uh, forward them to me. And they can also uh, come to our open lab on Thursdays. And uh, Disability Services will also be their representative to assist us with any questions that we may not be able to answer. Right, exactly. Um, so thank you, Delana, for our Canvas updates. Yep, that's the Canvas update. Um, there's no news like Canvas News. <laughs> All right, it's time for Ask an Instructional Technologist or... Ask It. Ask It, indeedy do. Um, so this week's question, we probably have asked this question I think before. this is a question we could ask Time and time again. Especially at the beginning of the quarter. Yes. Delana, what are the policies and procedures around combining sections and courses in Canvas? Okay. Thanks for asking, Chad. You're welcome. Um, number one, we have an automated process that complies with FERPA, which means that it does not allow students to see which section other students are in. Um, and we do this auto-combining of course sections when the courses have the same course ID, for example, Nutrition 101, the same instructor, and are taught using the same modality, face-to-face -face versus online versus DE. So um, those can auto-combine, and then you go into your Canvas and you have one course with three sections, okay? That allows faculty to be able to post their content one time. They can set differentiated due dates by section, they can filter the gradebook by section, and they can send out announcements by section. If you don't want your courses to be combined in that way, you can submit the separate my combined sections list on our website, which is cw.edu slash multimodal dash learning. Um, and then we'll get them separated. We cannot separate the courses after the quarter has started once any submissions have been made because it essentially will delete and create new blank courses. Um, if you would like to have your courses cross-listed, there's a few exceptions that we can do that, um, and they are courses that are cross-listed in the catalog. So you've got an Anthropology 301 that's also a Nutrition 301 that's food and society or something. Um, you've got, so those can be cross-listed because they're cross-listed in the catalog. You, we can cross-list layered courses, so graduate and undergraduate courses, a, a 414 and a 514, those can be cross-listed. And then labs that are one-to-one, -one, one lab to one lecture. 
we can cross-list those. We do not cross-list labs that are one that are one lecture and five labs. Um, and this is all based on our understanding and our um, the Attorney General's understanding of FERPA and what is allowed and what isn't allowed. So these are pretty important things. It is. It is. We're going to reiterate today that at Central we have three modes of teaching. We use face-to-face, -face, we use fully online, and then we have the distance education that uses ITV, and that's where the centers broadcast. And so, I'm, I mean, I, th I think hybrid is something out there that's a little nebulous, and I think we're going to work on kind of creating some agreed definition of what hybrid means and maybe some, you know, I would love to see some identifier in the course ID, but... That's we'll see where that goes. Above our pay grade, really. So <laughs> Yes, okay, yep. All right, so that's the long story short. It's actually a long story long. Long. Yeah. yeah. But you got the information you should know about course combining in Canvas and what we can and can't do and uh its relationship to FERPA. Yes. So yeah. great. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, this is Delena Brecken. I'm the Senior Instructional Technologist with Multimodal Learning. And today for our featured faculty spotlight, we have our new Executive Director, Joy Fuquay. Hi, Joy. Hello, Delena. So Joy joined Central Washington University from uh, university. She was previously at University of North Carolina, Pembroke, and where she was Director of Online Learning. And now she is the Executive Director of multimodal learning. Um, she is also a special education faculty. Yes. Enjoy both roles. <laughs> yes. Great. Yes. It's good to have you. Um, so we thought it'd be fun to interview you and um, just help the community get to know you as well. So, so Joy, I know you've taught a lot um, through your career. What is your teaching philosophy? Well, Delana, coming from the special ed background and then going into higher ed, the biggest thing that I have um, in, in my caveat when I start teaching a class is that all learners have unique needs. Whether that is on the gifted end, uh, you know, they are advanced in the, the content or that they're not familiar with the content or don't have the right modalities that they've uh, been instructed. So we as instructors, I think, really always need to assess and know the differences um, and similarities also in our learners when every course you offer. You can't take for granted that every section that you're going to have is going to be the same type of student. Um, you never want to assess or assume that a, a student would actually come to you with a certain level of knowledge because if you're teaching what you have set as the uh, content and the student has no background, the learning is not going to take place appropriately. And neither one of you are going to be satisfied, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Because as an instructor, it's as important for me that the student learns as it is for, as the student, you know. And sure. so that, as my role, I really take that very seriously. Another thing I really believe in is that if you, as instructors, online, live, um, hybrid, we need to really be actively engaged with the students, with the learners, um, if we expect them to stay engaged as well. Mm -hmm. um, giving them content and, and no direction does not, you know, come out with the kind of results we want and the competencies we want for the long term. Um, 
also, I think we need to anchor content with practice. Uh, yeah. Very real life. Everybody learns much better when they actually can apply it to something. So providing the knowledge base and then having the students apply it, because we know it takes, uh, usually the average learner takes three times with interactions with that content to maintain it and to be able to apply it. And so if we do less than that in our courses, whether it's through our assessments, whether it's our activities, but if we know we've done three different types of interactions with the goal or the objective that we want the students to come out with, then we know that the average learner would have picked it up. Mm -hmm. There may be those that struggle and we may have to add, um, and those that already have it and don't need the three repeats. So sure. um, I think also, you know, we just have to be able to individualize these days. It used to be that you taught to the masses and if they didn't get it, they didn't get it. But that's, instruction now is expensive. It is time consuming, and so our students want to come out with the appropriate knowledge if they put the appropriate effort in. Mm -hmm. So sure. that's, you know, my philosophy is really working with the individual. Yeah, thank you. Um, so in our multimodal realm, um, we do a lot of teaching with technology, mm -hmm. and I was hoping to hear what is one of the best experiences that you've had teaching with technology. That uh, could be any kind. You know, coming from a, a background of just audio, then going to, well, actually driving to a class, and then audio and then video, I would say my most exciting time with technology was going live with students mm -hmm. simultaneously, whether we weren't in the same location, but we could still get together via chat live or um, an email live. You know, they could be asking me and I could respond very quickly to their, you know, questions as they're trying to go through the materials or they're trying to, you know, succeed in the course. Um, and also the video live, mm -hmm. you know, the technologies there are just so endless. And being able to interact and, and know that students' needs one-on-one -on -one or in a large group, even if you're going to do a group, that has always been just, you know, for me, looking back, that's the most exciting part mm -hmm. is being able to have that, that touch with them. There's so many, and then allowing them to explore, too, is another right. exciting thing that I've, I've had them bring to me technologies and share or to the other students because part of every course that we taught in our online series for special education infused a technology in it uh -huh. so that our students were always prepared for the technology standards to meet accreditation. So they knew so much and they learned a lot from the K-12 system um, and then also courses that I've taught that are not within the you know K-12 realm or the teaching and some with technology, the students knew, you know, it's fun to gather and learn that, that new, um, oh, here's how it works, Joy. You sure. know, here's how I use it, and, and they demonstrate, and then the whole class gains from it. You right, know? right. So Teacher, Students being teachers, students yes. uh, sharing their experiences with technology, and um, it sounds like doing online synchronous was a really fun It, it really technology. has been, you know, starting out with live chat, just being able to have students, you know, and I was an online instructor, and so in the morning somebody would come up and say, good morning, you know, what are you doing, Joy? Somebody I had never met personally, but we knew each other through being live and, and talking through chat, and then have them pop up and say, you know, good morning, what are you doing, and are you having your coffee now? And just, you know, getting that interpersonal mm -hmm. connection with some of the students, even though I was nowhere near where they were at. Yeah, cool. So that was the fun. 
part of all that. Yeah, thank you. Okay, and so on every other side of the coin, there's always the worst experience. <laughs> oh, yes, and it goes kind of along with the same thing of being excited that students have taught me. I have um, taken on, you know, a sustainable section of a course that the master instructor went through and kind of prepared me in general. But when I got in there, there was a technology that was assigned that they had to use, um, and I was not as familiar as I could have been. So I felt a disaster coming on, and it was. I thought I knew all the technologies that the assignments were under, but there was one, I think it was Vimeo, mm. um, where you know you do live, and you can stop it and make uh, comments and such. And uh -huh. so every student was using this, and they were putting them together in teams. So their presentation presentation was all together. I had the worst time trying to open it up and get, uh, you know, and so finally I think I felt to myself I should have paid more attention. So I did go in and tu do a tutorial. But that was probably my worst disaster was not being prepared with what actually the students had been assigned. Uh -huh. um, when they bring them to you off the cuff, you don't have to be the expert. But when you're off, you know, instructing the class, and you, you, so I really try to look through that when I off, it, you know, if I develop the course myself, I know what's expected. Except, right. But when I work with team members, in which we do constantly with sections, um, I thought I knew that. Yellow Dig was another one that was new to me, and I just hadn't had enough, you know, to navigate it as easily as the students did. Or it wasn't that I wanted to be better than the students. I just wanted to be able to help those that didn't know. Sure, so sure. That, to me, was one of the worst <laughs> yes. semesters I had. <laughs> and I learned from that to pay attention to what's in there and ask, are there any new technologies here? Right, <laughs> when you get handed a course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and one of the things that we that that faculty could do in that situation is to model like how do you handle yes. when the technology doesn't work or when when you're not as familiar with it and it was fun. Yeah. These were graduate students when this happened and so they love to teach. Yeah. So they were like, "Okay, Joy, here's how it works." And then I had them write up nice directions and we we passed it out. Yeah. So everybody got <laughs> Great. it. And then the little snap that I didn't know how to take care of uh, troubleshooting with different technologies using the Vimeo, they did. Yeah. And so they were very helpful. They wrote up their bullet points and everything, and they commented that I was a good learner. <laughs> so, Great. You know, you can't feel threatened, but you can feel a little less adequate, that, you know, as an instructor, not so much with the technology, but it's just that I should have been better prepared on that. Right, one. right, yeah. right. Okay, so um, our last question that we ask faculty in this segment is, what teaching innovation have you developed that you would like to share with our faculty here at CWU? And this can be a high-tech innovation or a low-tech innovation. It, it's um, with or without a tech tool, actually, just okay. a teaching innovation. Well, again, I think I kind of go back to my first point of being very interactive with the students, and it, it's... Using technology, but I've met with, and I, I know I've shared this probably a thousand times with you, Delaney, because I truly believe it's true, that we need to connect with our students. So my, my technique was as soon as I could, whether it was just audio, what, no matter what I was using, but had that one-on-one -on -one time with my students in my course. And I've, I've had four sections of classes, but I made that time in the front end within the first three or three weeks, because it takes some time that long, mm -hmm. you know, schedule students for 10-minute periods, 
and interacted. And some of them did not have, maybe they were at work, and they said, can we just call? And But that made the biggest difference, and it continues to be something that I use, I know that I have to do every semester. It's worth every bit of the time I take because after that, the students feel like I'm really an instructor. Right. And the thing about it is those students, campus is their campus, and I am their connection to the campus. So if they have that, you know, they're not going to buildings and seeing people but they have that personal connection with me, and hopefully the others on my team or in my college, um, that makes that difference for them. And then after that, the communication I have with each individual student, whether it's email or live classes or whatever, it's personal. Mm -hmm. They begin to say joy, you know, because now in my, I have no problem with them calling me joy, but it'll, they address me with the issues and the learning needs they have. And it was so worth spending lots of evenings because I had the non-trad traditional age students and most of them aren't available during the day but you know taking that time and saying 10 minutes mm -hmm. and dial me in and we've done it through Skype back in the old days we've done it through um, Zoom you could do it through WebEx connections mm -hmm. you know links um, Blackboard Ultra, Blackboard Ultra. Mm -hmm. and just having them come in in only 10 minutes I mean you have to limit it without many right when you have you know 30 students maybe in a course times four it's a it's hectic but I tried it in a group just to say the other side of it and it, it, it was not as effective okay so it, that individual one-on-one -on -one one -on really one. helps students feel welcome help them identify with you yes. connect with you and say oh I have an instructor this isn't a robot teaching no. my class and you take notes like you know I'll say tell me a little bit about yourself where you're at and you uh, kids you know sometimes you can see the kids in the background which is a joy to me now so other people might be annoyed by it but you know then they know that mom goes to class and here's her teacher right you know I feel right. very privilege to be introduced to the children because I think their parents spend so much time in in the class with me and other instructors that the children need to understand there is some connection with what they're doing to you know we talk about it and and so I I really feel like that has probably been the biggest key to my success on online learning mm -hmm. it's just that connecting mm -hmm. connecting with the and, students yeah and taking that individual time and I take notes like I said I take the roster and I'll say you know Delena's in Ellensburg this is you know she's got two kids and and so then when we have class or they you know I have a picture in my mind of, right. of Delena plus we do have pictures actually that come out on our rosters sure. often so sure. you have that but you can have those little notes so you're connected yeah that sounds good and it means a lot to them yes I think that it it can take a mediocre instruct you know course yes. to the next level where they're really feeling it's worth their time their investment exactly. their learning is uh, increased by yes. making those connections and then talking about the application part of that too is another you know with that because a lot of times they they have their um, places where they're practicing either it's an internship or a, um, something they're connected to in the real world with the content and those are also varied yeah, that they want to share it mm -hmm. they want to talk about it and that or issues you know that you're available to do that and I think once they know you in the front end then they continue to keep that dialogue and their success at the end is you know, contingent on that fact that they have that relationship, you know, and they can ask when they don't understand or they have 
issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. so that extra time you spend in the beginning is it's, you totally get back. Yes. In the quality of their assignments and in the quality of their... And the feedback on the course is so much higher. Right. And I've, I've kind of gone against it. And as I told you, one semester was an, it was impossible, and I said, oh, maybe it isn't that important. I really noticed it yeah. um, throughout the course and then at the end when we were looking at pros and cons of the course one was that I was not as connected you know and so I learned and it and it wasn't scientific but it was sure socialistic (laughs) a social (laughs) measure yeah right 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 (laughs) well great well thank you joy we're so happy to have you with multimodal learning and thank you I um, love it here yeah thanks for joining us on the program yes okay It's time for Multimodal Education Center! <laughs> I didn't realize that do, was do, our do, new... Do, 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 oh, this do, is pretty do, exciting. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Are you ready for that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I can't even go on now because... That's like a sport welcome. I know, but, like, I don't have any... The what the content I'm about to provide is not going to live up to what you just offered. Okay, so. but you know what? Multimodal Education Center... It's pretty exciting. It's pretty center. much the center to be. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. Like front and center is the center for. Multiple well, now you don't know what you're saying. So this week we're going to talk about two things. I want everyone to know we have a new laser cutter called uh, the Glowforge laser cutter, which makes laser cutting so much easier than what we had before. Oh. Um, we are welcoming anyone to want to use it. Could to, I do it? You could use it, uh, but. If you want to use it, there are two things that you want to keep in mind. One, uh, we do offer some materials to cut and etch, uh, like bamboo, Mm -hmm. um, acrylic, that kind of thing. And we charge, uh, I think, $10 for the bamboo pieces, and we charge, uh, I think, $6 for an acrylic sheet. Okay. Um, Not bad. Not Not bad. bad. Pretty good. Um, We also uh, will charge $0.60 per minute for cutting. And thirty cents per minute for etching, and those are really good deals. When if you look around the world in terms of, or the nation, let's just say let's the say nation, nation yeah, because yeah, I don't know what they're doing in other countries. Yeah, me, really, I haven't kept up with that, but I do know that it's a fairly cheap price for what you can get. Uh, yeah, done. it sounds like cost almost. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to make a buck. I'm just trying to make sure that if uh, we need to change a filter, we have money to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, we also uh, will offer consults on how to do that, talk you through the process. Um, we are looking for workshops for this quarter for the Multimodal Education Center. So next time, uh, if you look at our website, cw.edu slash mec, um, you will see our updated workshop schedule for this quarter. And we will do a workshop every week on uh, laser cutting and designing for that or the Cricut. Wow, that sounds awesome. And so is that for students or for faculty? Students, staff, and faculty. All are welcome to join any of our workshops or use any of our equipment. Great. um, With assistance from my staff. Sure. Um, We'd also like to promote our October 11th open house with multimodal learning and disability services. Is that going to be spooky? <laughs> it might be spooky. We haven't decided everything that might go along there, but I would assume we'd do some Haunted House VR, uh, probably another costume making with 3D printing, 
and uh, other things that we want to promote at the multimodal, like the active learning classrooms. Oh, yeah. We could do, what could we do in the active learning classrooms? We could be active. Let's be active. Maybe like a scavenger hunt. Or calisthenics with Delena. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a jazzercise girl. Yeah. So uh, please keep it in your calendar. October 11th, we will be sending out messages probably on Central Today as well as on our websites to let people know. Things are going to be happening this quarter. Yes, that sounds great. And please come to the open house and also meet our new team members, Muneeb Mobashar and Joy, Joy Fuquay. Fuquay. Yeah, it's a great time. Yeah, great time. Good. So now it's time for the app of the episode. The app. Of the episode is here inside Chad's mind. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you nailed it on that one. I'm going to now. It's going to come out of my mind into your ears. Uh, basically, the app of the episode will be Sketchfab. Um, so Sketchfab is a software company. Well, it's more of a repository. Well, more. It's uh, Basically, it's a website that uh, allows people to upload 3D models. And we have a new mm. 3D mm. scanner mm. that can do really detailed, um, awesome scans of objects and also people. Mm. Um, we have the capability with Sketchfab to upload those to the repository and then share those into embed them into embed Canvas. Embed them in Canvas, yeah. I, you know what? Didn't we do that with a beaver skull? We did do a beaver skull this summer. And... Um, it looks really cool. Your students can manipulate things in 3D inside their browser. And then they can also, as a faculty, we can annotate certain parts of it. So you can label uh, the teeth, the teeth, for example, or the skull, uh, parts of the skull that you want students to focus on and really kind of lead them through a tour of a 3D object. So it's Sketchfab has a lot of possibilities. Um, it's a Really kind of a cool website also to download your own 3D models. People put them up there for free. We, If we are doing 3D scanning, we're going to lock them down. Sure, so only sure. CD of use, people can see them. But uh, people do share a lot of different models with uh, the world, and it's kind of a fun rabbit hole to go down to. Go so that through. might be something even if you were in art, say, you could find an, uh, a unique artifact mm -hmm. that you could embed into your Canvas course or even download and print at, with uh, a 3D could, yeah. printer. And then you could have that as a tangible item in your classroom that your students could handle. And we wouldn't be worried about, oh, that was worth $10,000. Right. And it's, it's all about got, 50. It's got, you know, oils from people's fingers and it's deteriorating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's really clever. Yeah, that's clever. I mean, uh, for example, um, a faculty in the French, uh, a French professor uh, had someone had uploaded one of the old uh, cave of in France, uh, and I can't even think what it's called the right France now. France cave. It's not called the France caves, but basically, it's one of the one of the oldest cave painting caves that they do tours of in France. And there's actually a model of that in Sketchfab that they could embed in Canvas, and students can actually look at that, actually some of the cave art wow, through Sketchfab. Wow, cool. Yeah, very cool. So check it out, sketchfab.com. And if you have any uh, desire or interest in seeing how 3D scanning and 3D modeling might work for you in your course, please contact me. I, again, I'm Chad Schoen, and I'd be glad to talk to you and do some consultations. 
consultations. All right. All right. That sounds cool. Well, that's it for this multi-mobile podcast. Multi-mobile podcast. Exactly. And uh, we thank you for your rapt attention, and we hope that you have a great Fall start. Fall start, man. It is. Uh, it's here. The it's season here. is. It, it is so fall. It is so right fall. Um, and uh, we thank you, and uh, we appreciate you. Yeah, always. Always. <laughs> All right. Have a good day. 